Welcome to Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Dudum Somi, a passionate and relentless pursuit of exploring how individuals use good judgment in everyday life, both in their personal and professional lives. In this episode of Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Dudum Somi, I'm speaking to Santi Botha, one of South Africa's most respected and accomplished business persons. Santi has accomplished numerous firsts and been the youngest in many of her career milestones since graduating from the University of Stellenbosch with a bachelor and an honors in economics, including being appointed to the APSA board at 34 years, making her the youngest member of the group board. Santi was the youngest chancellor in South Africa at 48 when she was appointed at the Nelson Mandela Metropolitan University. Her roles at present include being chair of Capitec Bank, Curia Holdings and Famous Brands. Santi, thank you for making time for this conversation. No, thank you for the invitation. Yeah, yeah. you are always on my list. <laughs> so I'm so happy we're having this moment. So where did you grow up? Do you have siblings? What were your favorite pastimes as yeah. a child? Mm. Um, I grew up in Cape Town. Yeah. So I've got three elder brothers, mm. no sisters. And, you know, my father passed on when I was 14 years old. So I had three men who tried to steer my life. So I suppose, you know, it's like the corporate world came naturally in a bizarre way. To this day, my mom is still alive. She's 94, which is just fantastic. Um, But I played tennis. You know, it's like literally from the age of four, Mm. I had a swing ball where I challenged the world. And um, so that's what I did. You know, I didn't spend a lot of time behind my books, but I played ball. Um, And yeah. So you could have been one of our champions. You know, I always say it was my passion and I played very serious tennis at some stage of my life. Um, So for Western Province and Natal and SA universities, but I was not good enough, you know, to really go on the circuit. Um, And I didn't, we didn't have the finances. Mm. So, but it was, it was my sport and it was, that's what I did. Do you still play? No. Mm. And the bizarre thing is people always say when you've played tennis, um, a lot of people just stop at some stage because you've hit enough balls to last you a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I used to play tennis and then I got into squash. Oh. And then I couldn't play tennis anymore because I always used to oh, hit yeah. the balls out. But I haven't played for years. As you know, African people are not really into tennis, into squash. So I was struggling to find partners. William yeah. sisters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tennis, but not squash. Oh, it's squash. very okay, rare. Yeah. But no excuse, did you? <laughs> what do you think your unique uh, value proposition is? What makes you memorable and impactful? Mm, you know, I, I have the, one of my best friends um, in business, Rami Taukobong, always says, you know, it's like sort of um, your brand or your unique selling proposition mm-hmm. is what people say about you when you leave the room. And I think, you know, it's like when people say, oh, I'm this or I do that or stuff like that. Um, that's not really true to self. It's, it's who you are, what people say about you, not what you say mm. about yourself. But I always think 
For me, um, in business, it's, you know, in the old days, people would say, uh, is the person task orientated uh, or are they people orientated? And I always think when you're in business, you have to uh, do big things. But what people often think about or um, forget yes. about the big things, you've got to do the hard thinking first. So if you talk about changing the world, the old saying, you know, or the stuff you do is change life for the better for your stakeholders, whoever they are, you've got to do the hard thinking first. And then you have to say, who do I want on my team? And that's when you employ the very yeah. best. And, you know, I always say when you have a, a B, B team players, you're going to get B team results. So get your A team and, um, you know, it's like uh, like-minded individuals, but different skills and the sky's the limit. Yeah. I'm visualizing that. Mm. Yeah. When you graduated from University of Stellenbosch with a Bachelor of Economics, what was your career plan? I didn't have one. <laughs> no, what honest, made you choose that out of all the degrees um, you could have done? Yeah, that's a very, very good question, actually. You know, it's like because I just played tennis. Yeah. Um, in those years, there was this magnificent uh, boutique mm. in the Golden Acre in the CBD of Cape Town. Mm -hmm. And it belonged to Barbara Barnard. Chris Barnett's wife, the heart surgeon's wife at the time. And I always used to think as a little girl, one day I would like to have a boutique like Barbara Barnett. Wow. So that sort of, I always wanted to do business, but I grew up in the household. My father was a headmaster and my mother sort of a um, home craft industry kind mm. of entrepreneur. So not really a business orientated house. Um, but that was sort of my dream. And that's why I thought when I went to university, let me do a business type degree. So that, that yeah. it was really as simple as that. It was, um, you know, and then life in a bizarre way, I always say when you work hard at anything, really hard and harder than anybody else, life takes you on very interesting journeys. Yeah, you kind of get opportunities mm. that you wouldn't have thought of. Yeah. Which is... Because my professor, for example, it's like sort of in my last year at university, he sort of said to me, I did honors in sort of business economics, industrial psychology, sort of a gobbledygook kind of honors degree. Um, and then he said to me, so where are you going to go when you finish your honors degree? And I said, I don't know. Um, and he said, um, are you interested in um, banking or what are you interested in? I said, well, I don't mind. Anything business, anything business will do. Um, and then my first job interview was strangely enough with Barclays in oh, those years. And I, interesting. Yeah, and I got the job when they yeah. were still Barclays. And then um, my other second interview was with Unilever in mm. Durban. Mm -hmm. And um, Unilever for me was sort of, I thought, I don't want to sell soap. Um, <laughs> That's what you think of, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't want to sell soap, uh, yeah. especially detergents. Yeah. Um, and in the end, I was on the food side, mm. which was, I just loved it. Yeah. And it's literally, marketing was like a fish to water. Which is it? I was also interviewed by Unilever. Oh, yeah. And uh, not the first time I decided in advertising, rather. First time, right? And then, later in my life, again, they called me and they said, we really want you, but your personality, 
I don't think we can put you in a single brand. Your personality is just not for that. They thought of another role, but somebody was in their role. So I thought, okay. Okay. They keep coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Do you still subscribe to the philosophy that in life, the only thing you can choose is family? Everything else is about choices and timing. The only thing you cannot choose. Oh, you cannot choose. Is family. Is family. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Well, well, I choose my family. This is interesting because subconsciously, you know, I do believe that I chose the family that I was born into. And this is interesting. That's interesting. That this is how yeah. I, because it says cannot, but I yeah. still say can, can. choose. Yeah. Because I do believe it. That's interesting. No, yes. No, for me, it's, it's the only thing you cannot choose is yes. your family mm. because you're born into it. Um, so... Yeah, uh, I've always believed, you know, I believe in reinvention uh, all the time. You only have one life and you have to make some hard choices sometimes. So I chose very early on in my life that um, I'm not going to have kids. Actually, I also chose that I wasn't going to get married. Um, (laughs) But uh, that it was was all just business. But then I, um, you know, married my best friend um, at a much later stage of my life but it's uh, you know and I always say when you move countries or when you move careers you know I've never been in a war situation where if you talk about that's really big choices and you know but in terms of um, the choices one makes in life there's always risk involved because if there's no risk involved my kind of choices then it's not a big decision so other little choices you make you know you get on with it. But I always say my big decisions and my big choices mm. and the timing I've made those, there were always risk involved. Um, and I was always happy after, so years later, yeah. to say that I made those yes. because that's how you grow. No regrets. No regrets. You know, yeah. I, have, I have sort of a, a few regrets in my life, I suppose, where I probably should have studied harder academically at school and university. But nobody remembers the grades. Yeah, but you know, it's for self, really. Yeah. And sort of, if I have my life over, yeah. maybe spend less time on the tennis court and yeah. a few extra hours behind my books. But, yeah. you know, next life. A nice balance. Um, during our MBA, there were a few who were very serious. Mm. The whole idea, I think, is to be able to find a balance. Sure. So there's one who kind of got many distinctions. Some of us got two or three not two, like seven. And she says, you know, though, Judy, the one thing I do regret is that I didn't enjoy it more. Interesting. And a lot of us yeah. enjoyed, like we really enjoyed each other. Yeah. That even years later, you can just pick up a call, sure. be on WhatsApp, and you really enjoy people. And um, yeah, so that's part of the education as well. Okay. Yeah. 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 I enjoy that. Um, you have found the evolution of Bangalore, especially at that time, which uh, was seen as the center of the tech industry in India, inspiring. Can you briefly tell us as your audience the story about it, what made it so interesting for you? But for us as South Africans, what do you think stands in our way of having such visionary ambitions? Sure, that's a big question as well, Dudu. Um, you know, it's like Bangalore, Bengaluru, what they're yeah. called, um, what the city is called. I think it's just such a phenomenal story in terms of um, 
a vision of a country yeah. to say invest in education, you know, in this particular area because it comes with this vast, rich, amazing history, you know, also being India and, you know, with the British and everything else. But how they've uh, played it forward to say um, the investment from government in education, good universities in the area, then the, the because it was really sort of a um, manufacturing uh, city. Yeah, before, yeah. Yeah, yeah, before. And, and, you know, it's like how businesses were subsidized to say it was a vision in terms of what you wanted to do with this place um, and the, the caliber of people that you wanted there. And, you know, with emphasis, um, it's like sort of homegrown, massive ICT business. And, you know, it's like success breeds success. Yeah. And then the more and more businesses that came into the fore in the late 20th century uh, with more investment from government, more investment in education, you know, and then there's the, the side stuff as well, enticing other businesses, yeah. aerospace and whatever else to, to also come to Beng Bengaluru. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's food, it's, it's sandalwood, it is the parks, it's the everything about so the really, city. really, it's like a whole ecosystem that grows around it. But it started it. as a vision. Yes. To say vision in terms of that's what we would like to become, the Silicon Valley of India, you know. And then you say, um, you go to California and there's Silicon Valley, but there's the wine, Napa Valley, and you've got the da-da-da-da. So in South Africa, we have a phenomenal wine valley industry in the Cape. And then you say, where's our Silicon Valley as South Africa? Yeah. Why don't we have one? We have all these bright sparks. We have all, you know, it's like uh, formidable universities still. Yes. Still. Um, and we must protect it, you know, and we must say, you know, in this digital space, because the world is digital, where's our investment in research? Where's our investment in quality people? Where you say, when you talk data scientists, I see yeah. the demand and the need for it in South Africa, in corporate South Africa. Yeah. And a lot of youngsters leave the country to go to booking.com in the Netherlands, to go to whichever, you know, yeah. because the demand is so enormous. There must be a reason for them to stay. stay. And, and that is that whole thing of, you know, I always like the Denzel Washington when he says you have to fall forward, you have to move forward, you have to have a big, big vision of what you want to be when you grow up. Yeah. And I don't see it, you know. So when you see, say for me, South Africa, you know, our Silicon Valley in terms of, because it's not us, it's the youth. And it's, it's the youth that should say, oh, I want to be there. I want to be part of that. Yeah. Um, and that's what we need to create as businesses. So you can create what you can in pockets. But when you create a Silicon Valley, it is, it's a unified vision across many things, and it needs to be supported um, from a government point of view as well, yeah. to make it worthwhile. Your, your youngsters, your unicorns, you know, where's the investment, yeah. the support and everything else. So instead of pockets, this, you know, whole vision from a government perspective as well to say, that's what we want as well in our country. Is that um, audacious ambition, I always say? I mean, we're just talking um, with Lerato, who I know you know, Mulebati, and we're talking about fast um, speed rail from Cape to Cairo. 
the ambition of being able to travel this continent mm. and for Africans to have the ambition to say, mm. yeah, mm. We, no, we don't need to go to other continents and countries to see this. It must happen here. Um, it is quite sad that we haven't. But hey, the inspiration is if you're watching, please be part of that. Uh, sowing the seeds. Sowing the seeds. You know, now that you say that, I've just um, last month, we traveled in Namibia. When you talk about, um, it's the, my view is it's the best country in the world to travel to because you have the infrastructure, whether it's tarmac or dirt roads or anything, is superb. Um, the, even your parks, um, you know, comparatively speaking, is next level, amazing. You know, and the beauty of, of the country is is quite incredible and then you just say how the system works um is so easy to do and you're safe you know it's like sort of uh, it's you never the whole notion of security never crosses your mind yeah um and i just think and how seriously they take tourism as an industry in that country it's beautiful yeah you know and that's once again is visionary yeah. to say that's what we want to be and the the number of international tourists and tourists from Southern Africa. Are there? Was, yeah. Are they are there? I haven't been so since 2004. Yeah. I was just at Sardini and the whole thing of safety. Yeah. Uh, you could see the two South Africans that were there. We were busy locking things mm. and mm. not leaving our purses yeah, there. Yeah. Um, South Africa, we have to change. We have to change. We usually refer to the concept of the old boys club to explain the support of, for each other and the advantage of white males particularly have over other groupings in corporate. Do you believe in that concept, first of all? Would women be more widely represented in leadership positions if they had such a club, or does such a club already exist? Yeah, hmm. Uh, for me, if I look at successful businesses that I've been involved in, the more diverse the leadership core, the more uh, successful the business is because you understand your market better. Because unless you're in um, female underwear or, you know, it's like sort of very niche specific products for a niche market, your business and your board and your people can look like that. But when you... When you service the world, you know, usually your, your market is from diverse religions, gender, age, whatever else. And that's what your business inside should look, at, look like as well yeah. uh, with the experience that goes with it. So I have a particular view in terms of uh, boards where you have people, boards or executive management, yeah. citizens of the world employ citizens of the world. Ah, okay. Okay. When people are used to a particular way of doing business, mm -hmm. and that's the way what they've been used to for 20 years, that's what they're going to stick to. So for them to change that is very difficult. And that's why even when change is forced on them, they don't like it. Mm -hmm. So, but I have a philosophy, broad minded people uh, that's traveled well, embrace diversity. And that's how I look at people. And sometimes I feel, yeah. okay, it's my job 
in terms of boards that I chair to help educate. And that's when I sort of say also, you have to employ best in class when it comes to diversity. So that the people mm. you put around the yes. table are better than some of the, what you would call the old boys yeah. club. But, so I never refer to an old boys club or us women yeah. needs a club. I basically say, for me, it's always about get the best possible people to educate people that's not used to diversity. Because if they see the example exactly. in action. They yeah. want more. Yes. They want I totally more. buy into that, yeah. which is so unfortunate. I always say uh, it's always unfortunate that when you choose the worst of the lot, it then uh, justifies the stereotype. Exactly. Uh, which is, hmm, I hope they're listening. Or when you, when you put people in positions where they need to be educated, yeah. it's unfair. Yeah. You know, where I sort of feel when you come in at a particular level, mm. you have to compete at that level with anybody. Yeah. You shouldn't then come in at a level to be trained. To be trained, because then immediately the the trainers say, "Oh well, yeah. you know, it's like yeah. it's not really at our." But level. there's always a difference between training and uh, inducting somebody into that particular culture. Because mm. sometimes I think people miss uh, like systems and processes are different. Mm. Uh, when I started my career in advertising, mm. and uh, <laughs> me and um, Sue, she was a white female, black female, came in at the same time, kind of similar background. And even though we have the same theory, um, you still need to be inducted. Processes and advertising are totally different. Mm. Per, um, so, And you found that they were, uh, this particular individual used to be very happy training her, but with me, it's like she expected me to know. Oh, Mm. And then she'll have an attitude that I don't know. Mm. So, but it's it's amazing how I, I understood that psychology of mm. what she was doing. I didn't, and I just embraced it. Sure. And then over time, you kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, educate back. Yeah, but then you're so amazing in your performance that they feel embarrassed that they even have that thought. <laughs> so exactly. Yeah. I, don't know. I love that. Yeah. I have been given feedback when pursuing board positions and have not been successful, despite being told that I came across as strong and positively that my shortcomings are the lack of experience or track record in whatever sector, if it's not the sector that I'm seen to be experiencing. What makes, which makes me wonder about the value of diversity, because I always think, gosh, diversity, and even my MBA thesis was around corporate diversity, uh, in, uh, on boards especially. Uh, you seem to be able to move across diverse industries. What wisdom can you share on how you've overcome such obstacles? Yeah, I mean, the three industries that I've spent a lot of time in is obviously FMCG, cum retail, banking, and telecoms. Mm. And education is my passion. And it's always been. I grew up in a household of educators. So, um, and that's what I stick to. Yeah. So, you know, in all of those, I've spent many years. And, you know, when I... Uh, look at opportunities from a, a business perspective, be it board, be it consulting, whatever it is at this phase, stage of my life, um, it's in those industries. I'm not going to go into mining. I know 
it's not my passion. I don't know enough about it. I can't really contribute at a at a board level. I can maybe contribute on financial stuff or stuff, but it, mm. it's not an industry that I've ever immersed myself in. Um, so I stick to industries that I know well, that I've um, passed a few standards, hopefully, um, and that I can really contribute, um, yeah. particularly at board level. Because the, the big, the important thing, and it's what I said earlier, when, when you, um, a non-executive director on a board, the management team needs to have respect for your ability, your skill, and your experience. Because I know what I was like when I was an executive and I had to interact with board members who didn't know what they were talking about. Because I'm in the business. I know the business. I live, eat, breathe that business 24-7. Mm. Now you see board members on a quarterly basis and then they impart their knowledge and try and tell you what to do. And sometimes you think, really? Mm. Um, so I... I remember that, yeah. you know, and I think it's important when you go into an industry and you say, okay, that's where I'm going to play. It's yeah. stuff you know well and you can seriously contribute because then you're also taken seriously. Yeah. I must say, I just had an interface with the global chair of Vodafone. Oh, yeah. And he came from a beverage industry and I asked him exactly the same thing. And he says there are all these common threads. You know, you want to connect with the market. There are some things you, and technically you may not be proficient, but part of the stupid questions that I ask moves them forward because they're like, oh, okay, we've never thought about it. Because mm. they're so entrenched. And I buy into that mm. totally because that's what diversity is. Because sure. you're not so entrenched. So both of them are good. Um, so it's about finding the balance because also in advertising, you work on diverse clients and you're not an expert. Sure. So you have to learn mm. very quickly and you become, I mean, I still can't pour petrol in particular places because my client was engine. I can't drink another drink because I worked on Pepsi. You know, okay. that yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. So yes, like, because yeah. you just get immersed yes. into a new yes, client, yes, yes. you know. But anyway, um, and then the other card, which I'll not mention, which is also my client. <laughs> Um, so you say when you open your mouth, I love this one, <laughs> you have something to say. What do you mean? Yeah, it's, it's sort of, you know, often, and I'm sure you've seen it a lot, is people will, will finish each other's sentences or repeat what has been said mm -hmm. already. And then I often think, you know, be original. Be original in what you do in life, in business. Um, you know, and think, think about stuff, read widely, know, instead of think, you know, or you've heard something and now you repeat it because often sometimes, you know, if I look at some of the stuff, my nieces and nephews send me on TikTok little videos, then I look at it and then 10 minutes later, the same one. And I think, Gosh. you know, are you all on the same platform or are you just wasting my time? And, um, so I always think be original, create something yourself, think about something yourself. So when some, something, somebody says that, you know, it's like when you think of Steve Jobs way back when, when he said, you know, I did calligraphy and then I did this and mm. I managed to connect the dots with IT, with the beauty in terms when I created the, the Apple Mac and blah, 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 you know, and 
then I just think that skill of connecting the dots when you think about something is your own thought because you've read widely, you've experienced stuff, you've experienced life, you've traveled to countries which other people have never even thought about and you've got a picture in your head. So when you say something, oh. it's like, whoa, hmm. I've not heard that before. Hmm. That and maybe something you've thought about right now. Hmm. Um, it's like an epiphany. Yeah. And that's what I love. And you can see people often in business is to say, okay, I've done this in my life. I've been there. I've seen that, blah, 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 blah. What you said earlier, your, your Vodafone example. Um, and you ask the question. And sometimes I think the question that do is just ask, hmm, I wonder where that comes from in terms of the file of facts. Yeah. Because it's original. Yeah. What, what, um, yeah. Uh, uh, Garrett Ackerman is one of my mentors whom I enjoy thoroughly. And he said, because uh, when I started Busara Leadership Partners, my consulting firm, he's like, uh, most of us really know our businesses. So when you come to us, you really have to be adding value. And mm. he said the one thing that is really not distinctive is the quality of questioning. If you come to me and you ask me questions that make me look at my business in a different mm. way, you are adding value. Exactly. And uh, so it has been my thing to always think of the right questions and see businesses in different ways mm. so that when you're asking something or you're saying, oh, have you thought of this? They're like, oh, okay, she can add mm. value. Exactly. Instead of just regurgitating models and theories. Exactly. Totally together. But mm. don't you just love when um, people quote quotes? And it's yeah. like, it's not your idea. At least yeah. accord the respect to say, hey, mm. bye. Mm. No, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and the thing is, for me always, you always have to think is people that's been around the block many times have seen all the houses yeah. many, many times. So if you come to them and you say, talk about some other piece of architecture that's in that block. Okay, they, they've studied it, yes, actually. Yeah. So then you really have to be original. Yeah, so, you're in anyway. trouble. Mm. Um, you know, you've clocked a number of firsts and also being the youngest in many areas in terms of your career. What about your character has resulted in these achievements? My character? Mm. Uh by nature, I'm very competitive. So I'm also very competitive with myself, you know. So I would, um, like sometimes when um, a friend of mine or my husband will say, why are you giving me such a hard time? And then I say, well, if you think I'm giving you a hard time, imagine the hard time I give myself <laughs> um, on stuff, you know. And it's not, it's not um you know, the term perfectionist, I think, is very much yesterday. But it's more a question of you only have one life. And I always, you know, it's probably the older one gets. But you say you have one life, so you have to pack it in. Hmm. So if you say in terms of what I've done with my life is um, I pack it in. I always think I, I work harder than most. I prepare more. Than most, I see you very well prepared, Dudu. Um, yeah. But so I'm but, actually thinking, gosh, the the preparation that goes into your board pack. Sure. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. So, so I prepare, um, but I always have. So second nature to you. It's second nature to me. So I, 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 you just have to work harder and prepare better and think out of the box and all that kind of stuff and. 
your, the words you used earlier in terms of adding value and to say in, when you're in a business is where's the business winning? Mm. Where are they winning? Where should they be winning? Why are they not winning there? What's wrong? What's, what should they be thinking about? You know, it's like who can help? Um, if they can't help, then maybe you should think about something else. So it's always finding solutions to move forward mm. and to grow the business forward, you know. And if mistakes are made, fix it quickly. Yeah. Everybody makes mistakes mm. and sometimes make mistakes twice, not three times. But I always say, you know, if someone makes the same mistake twice, I can. it's still okay yeah. as long as it's a different kind of mistake in the same field, but not three times. And as long as you learn from it and that whole thing of moving forward. Yeah. Instead of complaining, gosh. Oh. That energy, I'm like, it's the same kind of energy. Just put it into, like, give it a moment, cry, cry, but, like, move on. Yeah. yeah, 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 <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. like my no, thing, no, like, exactly. I, can't, I can't do that. What's the most courageous decision you've taken in life thus far? And what drove you to that decision? Mm. You know, I always think the word courage, mm. um... In Afrikaans is wach moed, mm. you know, which is which is a beautiful word. And, and mm. um, so I never, I do, I never look at, at choices and decisions as courageous, um, because for me, courage I associate with war. No, no, it's something. It's something in my head. Mm. It's like that. That's when you talk about real courage. The decisions and choices you make in life is more just about personal risk. And you just, as I said earlier, you know, the, the choices and the timing when you make your choices um, and decisions is um, the risk you take on yourself because you're not going to lose your life um, just in normal um, life decisions. Hmm. Um, and get on with it. You know, it's like sort of... Often in, in, in life decisions, it's, it's yes, there's risk. If it doesn't work, well, make a different decision. Yeah. Get on with it. Now I'm stuck on wach. So why is the definition of that? Wach moet. So wach yeah. is challenge. Mm. Okay, so it's a challenge. Moet is, um, what did, uh, help me here. What is, what is, a, what is, yeah, oh, it's, it's, like, it's, it's the personal and will. And you can, like, yeah. feel it. Yeah, yeah, it's a personal will mm. that, that that's what you want to ah. do. So it's it's the combination of the two, and and that's why Wachmut sits very comfortably yeah. with me. Yeah, okay. Mm. Double A or one A? It's the double A. Double A. Because mm. I got stuck on the one A, so that's why I got yeah, stuck. Yeah. Okay. I still remember my Afrikaans. Um, it was great. actually my favorite. Um, I... Um, Numerous of leaf. I grew up in numerous oh, no <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, it's just my thing. <laughs> no, no, because when I joined Unilever, my my English was shocking. Yeah, you know, and it's like sort of that that took a while just to yeah, you know, once again. And after Eckelman, I still love it. <laughs> Kevin, I still love it. Yeah. So my mom used to say, now if you're gonna be watching all Afrikaans films, and we can't understand what do you want us to do like doesn't matter anyway moving on (laughs) what is your biggest insecurity i think you know insecurities you have when you're young um and you need to get over it because insecurities as i just said about my command of the english language when i joined unilever i was at one stage i went through a phase where i didn't want to open my mouth because 
I couldn't string my sentences together properly. And then you just read more books and practice. You know, it's like sort of that's the whole, if you play competitive sport, it's practice, 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 until you're comfortable with the language because then you don't have to think about the language, you can just speak. Hmm. You know, and it's, I always say one should be grateful for what you have. Um, but in our teens and our 20s, you're still finding your feet and you still have to say, okay, like, I'm not as pretty as that girl or I'm not as smart as that girl or I'm not, I can't run as fast as that one. But then grow up you know, and move on with life because um, there's a lot of people with a lot more insecurities mm. or a lot less um, mm. natural and fortunate things that you have. And that's, that was one of my mother's sayings, you know, be grateful for what you have, work hard and make the most of it, you know, and that's what you always have to think. So insecurities, when you get older, is surely you've parked it. You've parked it when you were teens and 20s. Yeah. And actually, if I have my life, once again, if I have my life over 20s, you shouldn't worry so much what other people think, mm. you know, and, and I don't know whether it's a boy and girl thing, but I think a lot of girls are now with social, social media. Yeah. You know, this whole, what someone said to me um, at the school thing the other day was, you know, Santi, the one thing you don't realize, when you grew up, you went on holiday with your family. Kids today, when they go on holiday, they go on holiday with 1,500 people or depending on how many people um, that's with them on their social media networks. And then you think, that's a scary thought, yeah. you know. So every I actually move, never thought about it that yeah, way. Every yeah. move you make, people are watching and they're giving a running commentary, which if it's positive, it's great. If it's negative, negative. as a young kid, it's like, sure, it's hard. You play it over and it's over. Hard. Yeah. Um, if you could change one thing, and I'm going to, I'm sure I'm repeating myself, so I'm going to move on. I'm not going to ask that question. I can see you don't have many regrets. Moving on. Um, you participated in the Inca Trail in the Machu Picchu to help raise funds for students to do their final year at Nelson Mandela University. And I must also add that you also contributed 100000 outside of raising money for other people. What wisdom did you learn about yourself during that hike? You know, I love South America. Um, I haven't been. Next on my list. Do yourself a favor. I love South because it's also so diverse, Mm. you know, and it's foreign to us. You know, it's like we travel a lot on the continent. We travel in Europe. You go to North America, blah, blah, blah. South America is so unique, every single country. But for me, the the history of the Incas um, is a formidable people. Um, to start off with. Then there's the majestic Andes, you know, which you uh. say seven kilometers up in the sky. Um, we've got the Drakensberg, which is 3.3 uh, kilometers up in the sky. And it, it's just, you feel so small. And um, to say you walk the path of the Incas to get to Machu Picchu, uh, for me, was just, it, it, it was surreal. And it, it's and a lot of time you, you walk with your own thoughts, um, mm. which is, um, it sounds completely different. So the experience itself was phenomenal. The cause, um, you know, because I always think if, if you're a top student and you don't have the financial meal, it's completely unfair for you not to be able to finish your studies. 
So someone has to help. And I always think, well, if I can be that someone, yeah. I'm happy to do that. That was really a kind thing to do. I was really impressed with that. Um, <sighs> we almost uh, can talk forever. I mean, this is a masterclass, people. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying it. Um, what legacy do you hope to leave behind? I'm not the legacy kind of pe person. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a legacy kind of person. You yeah. know, I always say I get on with life. And, you know, it's like um, uh, you do what you have to do. So sort of... Um, whether I'm in education or whether I'm in banking or whether I'm in consulting or, you know, Africa Leadership University, I'll, I'll tell you a funny or interesting story once. And it once again just showed my age. I was um, in with this amazing chap, Fred Zwanaka, you should interview him, from mm -hmm. Africa Leadership Academy and then university that he was starting up. So one of his super bright spark students, he was around about 19, and they were all at the time sort of 90% 90, 90 plus, as I said to him, oh, um, the competition amongst you must be so fierce because you're all so smart from all over the continent, yeah. you know, solving the continent's issues. And he looked at me as, you know, it's like, what's my problem? And he said, uh, no, ma'am, there's no competition here. Here it's about compassion and collaboration. Oh, boy. And I thought, <laughs> take that, Santi, you know, kind of thing. Um, yeah. But it's true, you mm. know, and the way they work together in groups and projects to get to the best solution, because this one brings that, that one brings yeah. that. It's not... Mine is better than yours, yeah. and I'm I'm winning, yeah. and you losing. Yes. No, it's sort of collaboratively. How do we solve it and understand your market mm. uh, in terms of what's required? Yeah. So yeah, and I mean for me that's that's legacy work. Yes. If you say what Fred is doing in terms of, you know, it's like millions of well-educated um, young people that want to make a difference on the continent. That's the dream. So I always say if I can play a little role there and a little role yeah. there, I'm happy. I think your legacy is actually spreading kindness and many of us are not aware of where you are actually planting your kindness. I know you don't like uh, getting the accolades for it, but we know you spread kindness where you can. Um, this question I really want to ask before we end. You believe that people should be promoted because they are the best in class. What is the most objective way of determining and appreciating someone as the best in class in diverse environments where individuals can hold prejudicial beliefs. And we have a lot of that in our corporate South Africa. Scoreboard. Scoreboard. I have a very simple philosophy about that, is show me what you've done, um, but not um, verbiage. Uh, the real stuff and you know also when I talk in corporates that I'm involved in your KPIs your budget you know it's like sort of what you've done in terms of innovation what you've done in terms of helping your teams grow um, proper grow what have you done around diversity employment equity so show me your scorecard your scorecard and then I can say are you a fully rounded mm. business leader um, or do you focus on little snippets that's worth your while? Or do you look at the whole picture? And I always look at scoreboard. Uh -huh. That's all. And then for me, from a um, cut above the rest, I do everything to make sure that you move 
upwards or wherever you want to, yeah, wherever yeah. you want to move. Because sometimes people say, you know what, I've specialized in this area. I'm not interested in that job, yeah. but I'm interested in growing myself. So give me an opportunity there. Yeah. If you've proved that you've done everything humanly possible here, why not? Yes. And that, that, that's the role of leaders. You have to make sure that your best in class gets all the opportunities because they help they help the country. Yeah. They don't just help the business, they help the country. Move us forward. Yeah. I must say the best training. Um, my first CEO was William Leach. And every year he invited me to tell him what value I'm bringing. Not about the other team members, what did you mm. do? And so I had to learn because most times we need to be coy about mm. what we do. But also articulating the value of bringing was sure. very difficult. Yeah. And then I could tell him how much I want to take home. Mm. I mean, yeah. he almost destroyed me for any other boss in the future. Because yeah. that conversation you really do not have. Yeah. And so when you're saying the scorecard... It's still difficult even now, mm. but it's a good way of thinking that as the young people, if you are watching, keep a scorecard of your own stuff as well so that you're able to articulate it back. In closing, though, you wanted to add something. Yeah, yeah. if I can add something, and, you know, and, and it's also it's a habit that I uh, taught myself about 25 years ago. Now I'm really showing my age again, but is I set KPIs for myself every year, mm. my own KPIs. I don't need other people to set me KPIs. I'll, I set my own KPIs. So be it in um, all the different spheres that is important to me. So you can choose whatever it is. So be it travel, be it finance, be it business, be it growth, be it um, new stuff to learn, da-di-da. And then end of the year, I go back to my KPIs and see, and it's me scoring self mm. to say, what have you done around it? And then also I do a um, write-up of the year that's been. And it's just for myself. Yeah. I'm, I don't share it with anybody. And um, I'm not going to publish my memoirs. But, and probably at some stage of my life I'll shred them all. But it's, for me it's just bringing closure every year and setting my new goals for the new year. Because I always think that's personal growth. Yeah. And that's also when people say to you in corporate often, and I'm sure you've had it, where, um, what should I do with my career? Or how can, you, how can you help me with figuring out X, Y, Z? And then my retort was always, what's your plan? Yeah. Where do you want to end up? Hmm. Give me where you want to end up, and then I can tell you whether you're on the right path or not. But that's only my opinion. Yes. You still have to decide. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's just an anecdote. I think I enjoy that. Um, yeah, I like that. I'm, I'm a planner and also I like mm. ticking off. Sure. Um, and it is all, and it was interesting. I was just communicating to a friend of mine that I had uh, set some financial goals. And I was like, golly, I'm just, except for one, all of them accomplished. I was like, oh. wow, you impressive. Know, yeah. yeah. Not the billions in the bank those particular financial goals but yeah so I was like wow so it can be done yeah. I know I can do it uh, but that's really a good tip in mm. terms of um, we're so busy waiting for other people to mm. mark us and tell us what we should do mm. you should this is your life mm. uh, which is why I like personal leadership thank you so much um, so in closing what wisdom would you like to 
leave us with? Wisdom. Um, yeah, second best should never be good enough for you, for, for yourself. You should always say, if the best I can do is my very best, that's all you can do in life, is your very, very best, whatever you give. Um, so therefore, you should never be give second best, you know, when you say something is good enough, and you should never accept second best either. So in whatever, whatever you do, so whether you travel or whether you um, in a business situation or whether you get feedback or you see someone's ill-prepared, if so someone's not ready or they give you a quick, you know, five minute of their time, tell them to wait. You'll come back when they're prepared and you want their very best as well. So that will be my, my piece of advice. Just always say, never, ever settle for second best in anything you do. Yeah, especially relationships. Anything you do. We get told that, oh gosh, you're too fussy. It's your life. Yeah. 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 So I never settle for second best. Thank you. This Thank is you. why we're not settling for anything but you. <laughs> and you. <laughs> Thank of you course. so much. Thank you very much. It's been awesome. It's a really, really a privilege because I know you don't do this often, but I'm really um, happy for the people that are watching this around the world. We have amazing leaders in our country. I hope you enjoy that conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Durum Somi. Please also like, follow and subscribe to our channel and share the wisdom with your friends. I would love it if you could rate and review as well. Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Durum Somi is also available on YouTube, Facebook Watch, Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. Enjoy the wisdom journey.